0: hi
1: hi hello listeners we're back
0: we're back <laughs> we're so excited to i almost said to see you but that's not how this works oh. yeah
1: well, <laughs> to you know whatever interact with you as we do uh we have we have updates that's what we have we have updates since uh last time we were in your ears so we've decided a couple of things one which i think we maybe have already said is that we're going to be releasing every other week until we hit our first patreon goal which we are only like 150 dollars away from so probably fairly soon we'll be back to our four times a month release schedule but um we need to hit that goal before i can shift my work around enough to make that possible. The second thing, which we definitely haven't said yet, is that whereas most podcasts take one long break a year, Jesse and I have decided that uh because we're witches, and also as avid podcast consumers, we get sad when our podcasts are off on really long breaks. Instead We will be taking off every Mercury retrograde month. So three times a year, we will be off for one month. So you will never have to miss us for an extended period of time. And also, you know that things tend to go awry for us when Mercury is in retrograde. So this is also just a protective mechanism.
0: Yeah, uh, this retrograde, I feel like I had some... There was definitely a couple of things that, like, I'm just like, oh, the retrograde. Why did I do this now? And so I'm glad that the podcast was not one of
1: them. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. Jesse, do you want to talk about transcriptions?
0: Yes. So, well, really from the beginning, we've been wanting to have transcriptions of the show. As me and Lark together collectively have a variety of disabilities that has not been possible on top of our normal Podcasting and creating content for this show. But we also didn't totally feel comfortable just having people give us free labor for transcription. What we decided that we want to do is give you guys stuff if you want to help us transcribe our episodes. So, in exchange for listening to the same episode over and over again, which maybe you already do, I don't know, and writing it all down, we will give you access to some of our patreon exclusive content
1: yeah so it's all set up if you go to thegailyprofit.com slash transcriptions or just go to thegailyprofit.com and then click on transcribe from the drop down menu you will see hopefully very easy to understand directions for how to make the thing happen Um, yeah, so, so thank you to everyone who participated in our sort of like haphazard Instagram polls that we did to figure out this solution. We really appreciate all of you and we wouldn't have come up with this solution without you. So thank you. And, uh, last item of business is just thank you to filthy rat baby for your (laughs) iTunes review.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's such a great user. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, to
1: Elena for your Facebook review, we love it when we get new reviews. You guys are great. So, with that. The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them they're wonderful and then come back to us otherwise you're going to be spoiled and that's your choice in this world
0: Gay people love bodies. i'm dead. we have to <laughs> stop this podcast Girl, this book causes satanism what is left for us to rant about there is Nothing straight about plum velvet. (laughs) You shouldn't have been drinking when I said that.
1: (laughs) Monocles are impractical but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person.
0: I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about (laughs) Harry Potter
1: hello and welcome to the gaily prophet a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer irl witches reread harry potter and talk about it i am america's favorite griffin dandy lark malachi gray
0: and i am griffin dyke jesse Blount. and today we are talking about chapter five of the prisoner of azkaban the dementor just want to point out that we're finally found out they finally stopped using. stopped Ask a Vanguard. <laughs> we sure did. All right. <clears throat> so in this chapter, it's September first, and the kids are off to Hogwarts. The gang ends up in the only carriage with an adult in it, Professor Lupin. He's passed out from the exhaustion of being a, from being marginalized in whatever crap version of capitalism the witching world has. Harry fills Hermione and Ron in on what he knows about Sirius, and there is more pointed interaction between Scabbers and Crookshanks. The Dementors board the train later in the day, because, again, there are only ever two adults on the train full of hundreds of children, freaking everyone out. Harry, who has a shit ton of trauma, is very affected, passing out from the effects of depression personified. Lupin gives everyone chocolate, the the only cure in this crap sack world that is cool. We see the carriage is pulled, quote-unquote, invisibly. McGonagall checks in on Harry, and, relevant to later plot, Hermione, Hagrid gets the promotion she rightly deserves, and Harry is finally home.
1: Yeah. So much happens in this chapter.
0: I was, like, writing up the summary, and I'm like, this is so long. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You, like, really impressively covered all of the convoluted (laughs) things that happen in this chapter. (laughs) yeah i almost feel like we should have ended the chapter with them getting off the train and then like resumed at the feast but because this is a really long chapter
0: yeah it is yeah i mean so many things happen in this chapter
1: mm-hmm. all right well we start this newspaper off with today's headlines Ministry of Magic subjects hundreds of children to torture methods used on high security prison. No one cares. <laughs>
0: uh, just again, just again, again with the lack of adult supervision or oversight. Right? Uh, I have more about that, because honestly, what the actual fuck? Of
1: course, yes. <laughs> but before that, we turn to the front page, where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of this newspaper. Starting real light with Tom wakes Harry up every morning by coming into his room? It's very weird. That's so weird.
0: I mean... Maybe he's doing it because he's like, oh, well, the boy who lived clearly needs the, like, you know, special, like, VIP treatment of me bringing him tea in bed.
1: I mean, I feel like it's more because Harry is, like, 13 and alarm clocks don't exist in this world. But, like, if someone came into my hotel room while I was sleeping and was like, hey, time to wake up, here's your tea, I would be like, I'm suing you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yes, obviously because this sounds terrible. I like don't want I don't want to be woken up by a person because then it's like, no, I'm gonna go out to sleep and hit my alarm eight more times and then wake up.
1: And like, I mean not a stranger, obviously, but like not someone who belongs in your room that you're paying for, you know? And It's know. just weird I and confusing. Uh
0: my first thing is also very light, which is I'm just glad that Percy and Penelope are still dating.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's my next thing too. Mine's a little different, which is uh Percy marching up to Penelope with his chest sticking out so that his badge is, is showing. Because Percy's been a good boy and he's ready <laughs> to be rewarded. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yep 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 more shenanigans in the prefix bathroom once all the young people go to bed
1: yeah like <laughs> look what i did mommy
0: oh my god
1: yeah <laughs> yes. it's your turn
0: oh uh so i sent you an email relevant to my next point
1: you did i haven't opened it you should your open it instructions
0: okay so there's a scene in this chapter where ron is like you know gestures to where uh scabbers is and Mm -hmm. it's like he's in ron's pocket and here and like ron like points to his chest Mm -hmm. and i feel like it says he's wearing a sweatshirt so you're thinking oh it's probably a hoodie but it's like but uh, the hoodie pockets are low they're like really more around your waist So I've sent you a photo of what I imagine Ron is wearing, which is
1: kangaroo pouch. It's
0: like a weird '80s sweatshirt (laughs) with a zipper pocket. (laughs) That is totally what he has scabbers in. That shirt is a hand-me-down from Bill, probably.
1: Uh huh. This also super looks like this person's dick is in that hoodie pocket. just for the uh, record listeners
0: i'll up uh, we'll post this photo on social so you can weigh in about
1: <laughs> is that a rat or are you just happy to see me <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. okay so i imagined it being like a like a chest pocket like in a, a polo or something Which also, I was like, that sounds weird. Like
0: That is not big enough to put a full-grown rat into, I feel like.
1: That's true. This is a much more logical solution. Slash is still really strange.
0: (laughs) I just want to remind everyone that these books take place in the 90s, and thus the kids should be wearing clothing from the late 80s and early 90s. Were all hoodies its... a
1: thing already in ninety three? Because I feel like they weren't.
0: I, I mean, you people had sweatshirts, and I feel like they had sweatshirts that had weird pockets, but they. I feel like the ubiquitous like, pullover hoodie pocket wasn't like a thing until I feel like much later.
1: Definitely, that is correct. My grandmother grew up in Germany and moved here like after World War Two and worked really hard to completely get rid of her german accent because it wasn't like a super good time to have a german accent in the u.s at that moment and her english was like like no trace of an accent except for words that she learned like later in life including the word hoodie which i remember her like the first time she said it to me because she totally had a german accent on she's like hoodie (laughs) your hoodie and she said it that way until the day that she died and i guess i just feel like my like working memory of things like that definitely didn't kick in until like at least the late 90s so like hoodies couldn't that's how i place where hoodies became a thing in time is the fact that i remember her learning that word and like having an accent on it
0: that's a great story (laughs) that's very cute (sighs) So anyway, i just, I always just want to try to interject more weird nineties clothing into this into these books, <laughs>
1: definitely. We also at some point have to talk about like, because Ron keeps scabbers in his pocket quote unquote in his robes, like where's that?
0: You know, I guess I always assume that the robe pockets were sort of where a like if you're wearing a jacket or like a coat, like where your coat pocket would be, you know, okay. That's And, like, maybe there's, like, an inside pocket, like, in a coat, too?
1: But it aren't they just pull over, so you'd be, like, reaching in through the neck to get to an inside pocket?
0: I mean, I guess I assume that some of the robes have, like, not, like, zippers, but, like, clasps or... Maybe I'm thinking about the cloaks and not the robes, but I feel like robes probably still have pockets on the sides, I would hope. I would
1: hope, too. So... But it is the 90s, so if they don't, it was totally peak fanny pack season.
0: <gasps> oh my god, how many <laughs> muggled children have fanny packs <laughs> on over their school <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I wish there was a passage about someone pulling a thing out of their fanny pack.
1: Me. Which too.
0: must be called something different in the UK, since I feel like fanny is like a slang for vagina. So maybe. Ooh. I don't know what. At least it was? I don't know.
1: Interesting. Yeah, uh, UK listeners, we have at least one of you. You wrote us an iTunes review. Write to us and let us know what a fanny pack is called where you live. Um, my next one I think maybe could be somewhere else, but it's, like, not really super political, I don't feel like. But, like, why is Lupin on the Train addendum Is he really sleeping? My theory is that he's there to
0: keep an eye on Harry. So, you know, on this reread, it occurred to me that he is potentially there to keep an eye on Harry. But the other thing that for a long time, I just kind of always assumed was that, you know, I don't know how close to the full moon this is. Maybe he's just so exhausted. He's like, dude, like Dumbledore kind of just ride the train to Hogwarts because literally anything else, I need to sleep before I start cla- Like, I just can't do anything else.
1: Oh, like he doesn't have the physical strength to
0: apparate. So, or like, is too poor to like, do whatever else thing you would need to do that wasn't being on the train full of children, you know?
1: fly a fucking broom i would way rather ride a train full of children than fly a broom like hundreds of miles
0: i mean yeah you get to sleep on the train even though there are a bunch of kids making all this noise yeah it's like him a long time to wake up though there's like five people in the carriage before he's like awake
1: see that's why i think he's faking it and is just there to like keep an eye on Harry. Like, he watched where Harry put his stuff and then was like, cool, I'm gonna go in there and pretend to sleep. Because, like, sleeping through like the sneakoscope and like Crookshanks coming out and like Hermione and Ron fighting, I just am like, yeah, no, you're not actually sleeping. You're just like, you know, eavesdropping yeah. on Harry, slash, you're there to like make sure nothing happens to him i think both of these are totally legitimate theories though
0: yeah i mean i feel like there could be really any number of of things Mm -hmm. or all of these things who knows i don't know it's nice to have an adult there Mm -hmm. (laughs) um uh my next front page is more about clothing (laughs) okay i just want i just want to emphasize that The witches that are driving the ministry cars are wearing emerald velvet suits. Mm -hmm. And I just love everything about that because nothing is subtle or incognito about that. If I saw a person on the street (laughs) wearing an emerald velvet suit, I would assume that they were a witch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I would just assume that they were uh, queer, but some often those things are synonymous anyway so yeah exactly yeah those suits are incredible they match the cars too which is very top-notch dandyism
0: mm-hmm uh,
1: yeah those those drivers are great they're really great yeah my next one actually is also about <laughs> Lupin so we're just <laughs> going in circles <laughs> but okay. I have so many tender feelings about Lupin in this chapter. His suitcase, Jesse, his suitcase is super battered. And the letters on professor RJ Lupin are peeling off, which means that for years he has been carrying around a suitcase that says that he's a professor because apparently he just really wanted to be a professor but he hasn't been a professor like he's just been like i don't know manifesting his dreams by like putting that on his suitcase which is so tender and makes my heart break but also makes the last advertisement from our last book where dumbledore is looking for a new person and is like just send me an owl and the job is yours like so tragic and tender because it makes me imagine lupin being like fucking finally and like firing off an owl like the second he saw it being like i'm finally gonna be a professor and like live my dreams right Mm. it's
0: just
1: so tender
0: it it really is uh yeah no let's let's just talk about lupin because i have a couple things about him too uh okay this is i feel like a plus character introduction Mm -hmm. because like we get that he's like very kind, very competent, also incredibly poor. Mm-hmm. Like his suitcase is held together by string, which you're a witch, my dude. Why? Because
1: I don't have duct tape.
0: But like, y- you don't need duct tape if you have mending spells, right?
1: No, you totally don't, but J.K. Rowling had no concept of how to, like, establish a character as being poor in a world where you should never have anything that's not, like, immaculate because you can just fix it with magic.
0: Right. Um, I also want to say that Lupin's exhaustion and poverty is, like, hashtag mood. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what a millennial you are, Lupin. (laughs) You're, like, sad and you're overqualified for this job and you're broke. And you're going gray even though you're like 34 and it's like, hey, listen, I know a lot of people who are like what started growing gray in their, in their late 20s. So I'm just yeah, like, I
1: started going gray when I was like 22. So
0: I mean, it's just like, I mean, he's not a millennial because he was born in the 60s, but like, <laughs> it just feels like a mood. Yeah. As someone, for sure. who, as someone who is like, I am nearing his age and I'm like, bro,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I get it. <laughs> also his a plus trauma aftercare is like he was on it mm-hmm. he's like fuck these dependers everyone have some chocolate you're gonna feel better I'm like finally someone yeah. who's like a traumatic thing just happened i should take care of you afterwards
1: <laughs> yeah which madame pomfrey also comments on which is yeah super relevant super important yeah. Yeah.
0: um and i feel like definitely like what is very endearing about lupin is that like he's like a competent adult in a in a world where like <laughs> not a lot of people are like competent adult slash who are, who can be both competent adults and then also good like teachers and people responsible for the caretaking of your children
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i right we just met him and i already have like so many like feelings towards him which is yeah really it's there's a lot of really really good writing in this chapter um which i yeah i noted in numerous places like how well placed things were and how well done things were like when the train goes dark, like it doesn't necessarily make sense to me that the train goes dark. Like there's not really a reason for the lights to go out because I don't think they're even electric.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but the scene that follows is so well constructed that you are like in the dark with these children,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's all dialogue too. Like I don't know, it's a it's a really really tight, well written scene.
0: And I think part of the reason why that is, is that I've spoken a lot about my many criticisms of JKR's writing, but like her character voice is really good. Like, cause you'd know immediately even you like, you don't ever lose track of who is talking because you know, who is talking, which is like a skill. Hmm. Um. So, and it's like, especially for, and like, you know, this is a handful of characters that we've known for a while, but it's like, still like. You know, like her dialogue writing and character voice is like always, I feel like, very for the most part very solid.
1: And dialogue is like the hardest part of writing. I feel like. Even in a lot of books that I like, I the dialogue isn't believable. I feel like that's one of the things that makes me, um, forgiving of the magician books too, even though I have a lot of issues with those books, is that like the dialogue is so natural and I you like really feel like you're like in a room with the characters because I think with that one especially, too, because, like, they talk like we talk um, in terms of, like, colloquialisms and stuff like that. Uh, But, yeah, just, like, generally writing natural dialogue that doesn't feel, like, stilted and weird is, like, it it takes a particular skill set. Yeah. I think just to keep all of this, like, praising of the writing in one section, I'm also going to throw in... Just how important it is that we get in this first chapter the reminder that Neville is really bad at passwords. Like, that's not going to come back for a long time, but, like, having it there at the end of the chapter is just, like, really good plot establishment. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I just, like, noted that it was like, oh, you could have not put that there and it would have made the book less... I don't know, fluid.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I actually think the same way about sort of the, the, whatever this sneakoscope comes up, mm. where it's sort mm-hmm. of like, it's like kind of a misdirection, but also kind of a like, everyone's like, oh, it's just broke. Why is it just going off? You're kind of like, is it broken? Is this thing weird going on? And then you don't really, you don't really know what's weird until the very end of the book. And you're like, I don't know.
1: No, I think you're totally right. Yes. It's a really well-placed plot point that just sort of like very naturally keeps coming up throughout the story and I think that conversation where Ron's like it might be broken like it went off when I was doing this thing and Hermione's like were you supposed to be doing the thing and he's like actually no
0: right and like what's great about that is since it's going off in this carriage later in the book you're like oh like what's going on with Lupin like what is he hiding like what and I feel like the fact that it it serves multiple purposes, and the plot is, like, it's great, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, I feel like at like in this book, you're maybe, like, not super paying attention to a lot of the details in the way that, like, the later books, whereas I feel like, as a fan, you're, like, reading really closely because you're, like, what's going to come back and, like, what's going to become, like, important later on, mm-hmm. so, but for this one, you're kind of just, like... <laughs> your shitty sneak-a-scope that you got at the dollar store doesn't work, oh well, you know?
1: Yeah. Okay, my next point is actually kind of, like, a big point about Hermione. All
0: right, I actually have one more Lupin thing. Should we just okay. do that? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, which we can dovetail into Hermione. So, uh, Hermione is the one who is like, oh, this is Professor Lupin and she, like, points to his badge, but, mm-hmm. like, Harry is the one who's like, not paid to any of that is harry checking lupin out in this <laughs> uh
1: no i don't know do you say yes i don't know because i feel like lupin looks like shit right now <laughs> so any feelings that harry might have about him in that way later. Also, Harry's really preoccupied with, like, telling Ron and Hermione about the fact that Sirius Black is after him. But as we've said, Hermione notices everything all the time. So I feel that it's not surprising that Harry wasn't, you know, reading Lupin's suitcase the second he entered the carriage, whereas Hermione absolutely was. Yeah. Which... Yeah, which so I have okay. Um, a couple things. So, we've had a couple of listeners comment based on our conversations about Hermione's hypervigilance and you know, situational awareness and all of that, that they think that her neurodiversity might actually be autism as opposed to a trauma response and looking at this chapter from that framework Hermione's response where the train stops and they don't know why and she's like I'm gonna go ask the conductor plus her just like single focus on why Hogsmeade is interesting based on its history and buildings. Whereas Ron's like candy plus the fact that she doesn't get impacted by the Dementors the way that she should, if she was growing up in an abusive situation, makes me think that our listeners are correct Also, I think I just want to think that because that's a nice thing about Hermione, whereas, like, her growing up in an abusive household is a very sad thing, and I would much prefer to read a positive thing into these traits of hers than assume that she has a shitty home life, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm into this. Okay. Um, I Actually, I do want to say that uh, Hermione going off... Hermione talking about how interesting the history of Hogsmeade is made me think that Hermione is the kind of person who would never walk past a, like, informational or historic placard without reading it. Uh And that is 110% (laughs) myself, where I'm like, if there's an educational or, like, uh, historical placard or, like, sign or, like, whatever, like, I have to stop and read it. Nicole is constantly annoyed by this. <laughs> and we're like going to a like a state park, and I'm like, oh, so information about the shoreline and like the like endangered species that live here. And she's just like, I want to go to the beach, and I'm like, Dutch <laughs> history. And, it's, like... <laughs> and I acknowledge that like that is that is who I am, and I'm just like, oh, Hermione.
1: <laughs> I mean i I think that's a good I think that's a nice trait to have. I remember. When I was a kid and we would go to zoos or honestly anything educational or whatever, I would bring a notebook with me and I would want to uh, copy down 100% of the information that was on all of the signs. My entire family would be like, we are leaving. I'm still writing. (laughs) I have some of them still. It's just like, this is so boring. Why was I writing every single thing down not just the highlights it was the entire sign and i wanted to take all of it home with me
0: that's so sweet (laughs) oh tender young lark yeah uh going back a little bit i just want to say that uh there's a little moment where molly remembered to give ron a sandwich that was not corned beef yeah and i I was very impressed with her I just literally have never noticed that. I was like, "Oh, she remembered Rod."
1: Yeah. So this is my last front page, which is that uh, when when Madame Pomfrey is taking care of Harry, she is described as clucking, um, over him, over whatever is going on with him, and immediately. In my mind, she became Maid Marion's handmaiden, the chicken from the <laughs> animated Robin Hood, and will forever be that from now on. <laughs> uh, they have the same personality.
0: That's fair. See, so I've always I've always thought that the Harry Potter series the movies would have been so much better if they would have done them animated and not live action Mm
1: -hmm. for
0: a variety. I mean, mainly because it's like, you don't have to worry about the actors aging or what they look like. And then you don't have to worry about shitty special effects because you can just literally draw whatever the fuck is happening Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to make sense in space in reality because it's like an animation. Mm -hmm. Um, No one asked me, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But... What an awesome anime. But now I'm just like, can you imagine a like Disney Robin Hood version of like Harry Potter where everyone's just animals?
1: Yes. <laughs> I am imagining it and I love it.
0: Okay, wait, wait. What are what are Harry, Ron, and Hermione in your mind?
1: <sighs> oh my gosh. I feel like I want Hermione to be an octopus. <laughs> Because they're very particular They really like Their space to be just so And they get really upset If you disturb their space And I just feel like Also having eight arms would like Really serve Hermione So I feel into that
0: Maybe we'll come back to this
1: Yeah Do you
0: have any? I don't know I was trying to decide if given the animal imagery already existing in the book if like harry is sort of like a bambi deer where he has little spots but as he gets older like his spots like fade and he like (laughs) looks more like a like a deer oh my god
1: if they were all deer i feel like um they really would would be perfect as as rudolph clarice and and fireball from the weird rudolph claymation movie claymation. right i feel like ron is fire is it fireball the one with the like yellow hair
0: i, I don't remember name. the names of any i'm surprised you remembered anyone besides rudolph oh I buddy any of- <laughs> i
1: watch that movie every christmas my entire life and i have a tendency to memorize all of things that i watch a lot i could probably recite that movie by heart if given the right prompt
0: that's so funny I've also watched it so many Christmases and I feel like I don't remember anyone's name or much of the dialogue which is very strange because it's so weird and relevant to my interests. but like I don't know anyway
1: maybe for Patreon content I will just recite that movie by heart (laughs) to you one day (laughs) I definitely that's one of the movies that I like quote in my day to day life on a fairly regular basis without necessarily meaning to.
0: That's so funny.
1: That was my last front page. <laughs> it took us way, way into the weeds. <laughs> but, you know, we like it here in the weeds, so.
0: Uh, so I have two more things. Uh, one is a thing that Hermione mentions, which is Dervish and Banks, which has magical instruments. And I just wanted to know more about that. Why they never go? there I mean, I'm like, I don't know. Do you think that it means cool.
1: instruments like musician instruments or instruments like magical, like I don't know, telescopes and I
0: assume, yeah, I assume like telescopes and sneakoscopes and other okay scopes. I also is
1: I have always said bangs, but I feel like I've heard someone else say like bangies because there's an e. Bangies.
0: I guess I would, I guess.
1: I like Dervish and Bangs better. Can we say it that way? Even if it's not supposed to say it.
0: I think this is literally the only time it comes up. So yeah.
1: Welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up. Yikes, love potions.
0: Right? Actually, I have that in uh, editorial because I'm like, it's not funny or charming about this story, so it's actually very upsetting.
1: That's definitely... Anytime we're talking about something that like removes someone's consent, that's a political point.
0: Unless... So I have a caveat to this. Okay. If that... Unless Molly is describing trying to make a love potion and it just being the most fake potion ever. Hmm. Like, I have a... I have a friend who created a love potion that was just, like, sugar water and a strand of someone's hair and, like, a pill bottle.
1: Sounds like a spell to me.
0: Uh, I mean, they're still together, so, like...
1: See? That was definitely a spell.
0: (laughs) But, like, like if it's, like, you know, 10-year-old Molly pulling, like, juice and, like, rose petals and, like, whatever in a, like, in a jar, not, like, the same as whatever love potion... That you would make like in a potions class or as a potion master. That's correct. But it's but it's, I mean it's not clarified what this is, so it's still mostly upsetting.
1: I feel like love potions just like across the board are political to me, even if they are like at least in this world where they we know that they operate by like actually removing someone's consent for like a short period of time. Yeah. Although I really do like your imagined space of Molly as a small child, like, creating a love potion.
0: I think that's what I want to be, because they're laughing and not talking about actual love potions, which are, again, terrible.
1: Mm -hmm. Also, she's been with Arthur since they were in school, so I don't know. Who would she have been using it on?
0: Yeah. I don't know. Molly seems like the kind of person who is maybe, like, a bit of a young romantic as a child. Yeah. Who probably, you know, had imagined the names of her sons and daughters since she was young. Mm -hmm. Which might account for the fact that she kept trying to have a daughter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just really want someone to name Jenny.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I feel like it's so funny. Before, I don't remember. It maybe isn't in the books what Jenny's full name is ginevra so i feel like before whatever book that was in fandom was like is it like from genevieve is it from virginia like what the fuck is ginny short for uh so when she finally was like whatever book that comes up and everyone's like what it's seven it's at the at
1: bill and flair's wedding
0: yeah i mean i was in uh harry potter internet fandoms from like book four on so Mm -hmm. there's a lot lot of time for people to be like what the fuck is going on uh anyway yes love potions are roofies so therefore in politics yes so my first thing is ron makes the distinction that sirius was a high security prisoner Mm -hmm. are there low security prisoners at azkaban where it's like twice a week the Dementors come by and like torture you and then like, the rest of the time you're just like sitting in a cell bored like <laughs> I it's not funny I'm just laughing because the idea of it like part-time Dementors versus like full well, I don't it's the the workings of Ask Man is very confusing to me
1: I hate Ask
0: <laughs> like, I mean it's the
1: worst it's so terrible no that's a really good question I I guess that is what it would mean, is just more or less Dementors.
0: Or like more or less time with the dement. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, whichever one that is, that sounds shitty. Yep. So my next point is that why the fuck does the Hagrid not get another one? It seems like the fact that she is a professor means that she's been, you know, she's cleared of charges in the last book of killing myrtle or whatever the fuck um she's now our professor It it sounds like she still has her umbrella pieces or her wand pieces in an umbrella why isn't she allowed to get like why didn't she get another wand
1: so here's here's my theory we discussed previously that we i think decided it's not just her wand pieces in the umbrella dumbledore with the elder wand actually fixed her wand and then hid it in the umbrella for her and it seems that it has just been an open secret that Mm -hmm. she has her wand in there because like she uses it to get into Diagon Alley so and we never again see her being sneaky about using magic that's true so maybe everyone at this point is just like now the open secret is just open and no longer a secret because mm-hmm. she doesn't really need a new wand she has a perfectly functional wand that's true. why doesn't she get tutoring so that she has like a solid education and the ability to use that wand is a great question though
0: this is actually my next point in which harry is light that she's not a qualified witch even though she's a professor and it's like she works at a school that we're assuming and the teachers live there at least for the nine months the students are there, couldn't someone, like, tutor her? Are there, like, summer courses? Could could Dumbledore bring in a tutor? Right. For Hagrid to, like, move beyond her, like, year three Hogwarts education. Right. And I mean, and I don't want it to sound like Hagrid needs more schooling in order to perform better as the Care of Magical Creatures professor. I mean, she obviously is super knowledgeable about care of medical creatures like this is her life's passion so not in that regard but just sort of no, for
1: education is a motherfucking right like right she like, deserves that she deserves to not be in a position where when she tries to mend the motorcycle thing in book seven she can actually fucking fix it instead of sending harry into a free fall that's her right. fucking right so... like
0: sh- she deserves to learn how to fucking apparate yep She she deserves to learn the things that maybe she, you know, would want to learn, not just in our, you know, like she's already qualified for her job. But there's things that like it's an injustice to not let her have more access to the education that was denied to her because of the fucked up justice system in this world.
1: Totally, especially in a world where the knowledge that they gain at Hogwarts is like critical to just living your day to day life. I mean, maybe not critical. She's obviously doing fine. But to live it in the same way that everyone around her is living it, she needs to know how to do all of this. I mean, honestly, I don't know who needs to know anything that they learn at Hogwarts. But presumably, at some point, they're learning the actually useful stuff that people use to, like, I don't know, cook food and whatever the fuck.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I have one more politics thing, which is uh, there are a lot of times when, as we mentioned before, that Harry doesn't act like a child who's lived under as much abuse as he has. Mm -hmm. I think in this book and starting in this chapter, a lot of his sort of trauma survival skills that are 100% informed by his trauma and not necessarily healthy are coming to the front. And I mean specifically about Harry's fear of being weak or being perceived as weak and Harry wanting to keep his feelings close to the chest and not wanting anyone to sort of like take care of him in this way that he feels is unwarranted. He is like, oh, Madame Pomfrey, don't make a fuss about me. And it's like, my dude horrible nightmare creatures dredged up the literal worst moment of your life and of course you fainted let someone take care of you
1: (laughs) yeah no i mean it it is it is a very accurate portrayal of a child who was never given the space to have his feelings or be wounded or be sad and have that be something that was recognized or validated because that's i mean that's like terrifyingly vulnerable to acknowledge that you need to be taken care
0: of even when everyone around you can obviously see that you need to be taken care of right and especially for a thing that's not like a physical thing but like an emotional and mental thing Mm -hmm. almost like harry has absorbed uh the ways that people, uh, stigmatize mental health issues. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Harry, it's okay. Eat, eat some more chocolate.
1: Yeah. God, what if chocolate actually
0: worked that way? Oh my God. That, like, the fact that chocolate works like that in the witching world is maybe the only cool and, like, enviable medical cure that I think we ever come across. Yes, yeah, I agree. Like, if I could just eat, a, like, a bar of chocolate and, like, feel, like, my anxiety and depression sort of ebb away and a warm feeling come over me. I mean, I do eat co- chocolate pretty constantly. But it would be, like, oh.
1: I mean, chocolate does somewhat have that effect. has a lot of magnesium in it, which is very soothing for your body. Re- releases muscle tension, you know. That's great. However, that kind of trauma, it's... Chocolate's not not a strong enough antidote.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, take a lot of medication to feel <laughs> what chocolate does for Harry in this chapter. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Go to the pharmacy. Can I just get like two chocolate bars? <laughs> uh, this isn't
1: a, yeah.
0: this isn't a classy substance. You're not gonna uh, limit my uh, dosage for this chocolate bar. Okay, thanks.
1: Um, So I actually want to piggyback on that with something that I had in editorials, but I actually am really curious, uh, not curious, I think, I think that it's just incorrect that the worst thing that Harry can remember is this, like, very confusing memory from when he was two, where he, like, honestly didn't have the brain capacity, or one, to, like, understand what had happened, and... I get that it's sort of recreating the memory in a way that is inauthentic. But Harry's life has been super fucked up. And I feel like the Dementors would bring up his abuse at the Dursleys much more vividly and aggressively than his parents' deaths.
0: You know, I guess I don't know. I guess it's like I don't know how much living through or witnessing a traumatic event when you're like one or two like how that affects you later on enough to know i mean like i i feel like
1: he just he just didn't have the mental capacity to process what he had seen at one Mm. or even like what death meant or means at that age so like the trauma of being taken away from his caregivers and put into a horrible situation that probably would have lasting effects but again not effects that he would necessarily like remember in terms of detail like i feel like dementors bring up detailed traumatic experiences And his, like, vivid trauma triggers would be abuse situations and not, you know, it might bring up something like a vague memory of, like, fear and crying while he was in a destroyed house in the cold for, like, 12 hours after that happened, but not that actual moment. I just feel like as horrible as that is, that like worse things have happened to Harry in terms of what he could actually cognitively process and absorb.
0: That makes sense. That does make sense. And I guess that would also be a good explanation for maybe one of the most infamous corrections of this book, which is why Harry does not see the Thestrals pulling the carriage Mm. would be if he just hasn't, he like, hasn't like, he just didn't have the capacity to like process like what had happened. So like, therefore he like, he can't see the Thestrals because like, you know, Mm -hmm. his mother's death, even though while he was in the room, like it wasn't a thing that like processed with him enough to trigger whatever mechanism goes from you know seeing Thestrals to not seeing Thestrals mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever whatever
1: yeah that's totally true although he did murder quarrel in book one
0: he blacked out before
1: you're right mm-hmm. he died hey did we just just solve the biggest correction in all of Harry Potter in this podcast that's bent on creating and finding every plot <laughs> hole in the books <laughs> Someone give us an award.
0: <laughs> <sighs>
1: I don't want to leave this before we talk about the fact that Neville's life has 100% been fucked up enough that Neville should have been passed out on the floor
0: alongside Harry. You know, I was also surprised that Ginny wasn't also passed out because what she experienced is fucking awful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there should have been so many more passed out kids. <laughs>
1: So many more. And I feel confident that there were more, like, in the train generally, but there was no teacher there to send a hyperspeed owl ahead to the school.
0: I know, like, poor Luna.
1: Oh, yeah. Who did, in fact, watch her mother die at an age where she could process it. Yeah. Oh, God. But, yeah, I mean, the, the trauma that Neville must have of, like every year like going to visit his parents that for sure yeah him and jenny both should should have been down and out so yeah welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff
0: a lot of my rants are so weird (laughs) mine too (laughs) Uh, I should go first.
1: Uh, why are the Ministry of Magic cars allowed if Arthur's car wasn't?
0: Uh, because the government sanctioned them and Arthur did not have the government sanctioned. He is the
1: government action. that sanctions muggle artifacts. What oh, do you mean?
0: But he's so low. But that's
1: his literal job. Those are a muggle artifact that have been enchanted.
0: I'm just saying those cars are probably used by, like, fudge and, like whoever is at the top of the ministry hierarchy uses these cars I mean I
1: know that you're right I'm just saying like if those are allowed there should in theory be a law that's like yeah magic cars are allowed and then Arthur shouldn't have gotten in trouble right I mean maybe it was just because his could fly but still
0: or maybe because it was spotted by muggles maybe uh on the magic cars I'm just like I have so many questions about this. Uh, which is why don't more people have magical cars? Because this seems by far the ideal way to travel <laughs> magically.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like fuck, fuck flu powder. This car just squeezes around traffic. You're on the ground. You're going at normal speed. This sounds perfect. Mm-hmm. And then why is the night bus then so nightmarish? <laughs> like no one gets no one gets sick in these ministry cars. Right, because they're not apparating. That's fair, or sliding around all the way. Uh, it's just—it just seems weird. Is it like—is this magic just not readily available, or like witches just too resistant to the idea of using a car? Great question. Because like, if I was a witch, I'd want fucking one of these magical cars. Totally. Or no, that's a lie. I would want like a really cool carriage, with like a flying horse, because that seems really awesome.
1: <laughs> fair. Uh, that's a great question. And I don't know. Maybe they're like not allowed, and they're just only the ministry is allowed to do that.
0: I mean, considering how corrupt they are, that also wouldn't surprise me. Right. <laughs>
1: okay, here's my next editorial <laughs> Is that Kreb uh, and Goyle are described as as being muscly which in this book is spelled m-u-s-c-l-e-l-y muscle which is horrifying it's such an upsetting <laughs> spelling and i was like is that how you spell that word because i hate it and then i looked it up and that is not how you spell that word it is Whoops. spelled M-U-S-C-L-Y, like any other word that you put a Y at the end of where you drop the E and put the Y, which also looks terrible. If you look at muscly without the E at the end, that it looks like muscly. Like, it looks awful, <laughs> and I hate that too. Oh. And while I was looking it up and feeling very ranty about it, I saw the Urban Dictionary entry on muscly, which is muscly is a word used by idiots who don't know the word muscular (laughs) which is the perfect conclusion to the way that i feel about the word muscly and what it looks like written down
0: that's a good job for someone who is an editor of published novels how
1: does that misspelling happen Like, even in 1999 or whenever this came out, Microsoft Word should have given you the squiggly red underline to be like, this is not how you spell this word.
0: (laughs) I didn't even notice that. Uh, I did notice how weirdly enough, uh, I mean, I guess they're not fat, but uh, Krav and Goyle are larger, larger dudes. And not at all a fat phobic description of them.
1: That's true. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know what word is spelled that way, though, is solely. Is S-O-L-E-L-Y. Which I learned during a very upsetting game of Scrabble. Um, go ahead.
0: No, I feel like words like solely, I am really bad at spelling it's like another learned disability that I have. And words like that frustrate me to no end. Cause I'm like, this doesn't even look right. And then it's like, you didn't get this word right. And I'm like, what does it look like? And they're like this, I'm like, that's not what, how?
1: I feel like solely is one of those words where you try 75 times to spell it based on what it sounds like. And no matter how you spell it, you like left click on it. And the computer's like, I don't have a correction for you. I don't know what word you're trying to spell. And you're like, fuck Ugh. you, computer. What's the use of you? I hate you. Oh,
0: man. English langu- The English language is such a tr- dumpster fire of ridiculousness. Uh-huh. I feel like I just feel bad for anyone learning it as a second language or a first language because it's just the worst.
1: It's just full of caveats in a way that other languages uh, aren't.
0: I know. <laughs> Ugh. Uh. All right. My next editorial is that, obviously because plot reasons, but I think Arthur should have told Harry why he shouldn't go looking for Sirius, as opposed to being like, promise me you won't go looking for him. And it's like, why? Why would I do that? Right. Oh, you know, trade your parents. Uh, That thing happened.
1: No matter what you hear, don't go after him. Like... But what would I hear? (laughs) Now I need to look into this.
0: Yeah. Also, look at Harry's track record, my dude. Like...
1: Yeah, I feel like you're... Yeah, you're right. I wonder... Do you think Arthur would have told him if they'd had a moment longer?
0: Maybe. I think he maybe would have danced around it a little bit more, but maybe would have given him slightly more than just don't go looking for this dude.
1: Hmm yeah i feel like yeah he was like fuck we're out of time
0: mm-hmm.
1: i don't know what kind of editorial this is it just says yikes the dementors <laughs> why are they on the train
0: who let them on the train right why this did the train
1: why... stop did they just stand in front of the train
0: i mean maybe the engineer and the conductor were overcome with their worst memories oh my <laughs> and like drama and make me stop doing my job yeah
1: (laughs) yep Jesus Christ yeah that's no good
0: and I think this really is honestly besides the fact that like put some fucking enchantments on your train that full of children to not have dark creatures on there but also have some fucking adults on the train consistently are you talking nonsense right now Oh, my God. (laughs) I just, like, just create a Hogwarts, like, parent-teacher association. Um, Put a bunch of parents in the train. I know it's going to be awkward for those kids, but they'll be safe. (laughs)
1: Right.
0: (laughs) From God knows what could happen.
1: Themselves, each other, Dementors. Right.
0: Right. No one's going to be cursed terribly in the train hallways, which happens all the time it feels like yeah definitely um yeah i mean put molly on there and she'll just shape every she'll just how she'll uh
1: she'll send the fucking snack cart witch home she'll be like sandwiches (laughs) for everyone you all need some protein (laughs) put that culture cake down
0: Well, I could get together with some other parents to make uh, actually actual food for the students for their like eight hour, ten hour train ride, mm-hmm. however the fuck long it so is. So long. And actually, speaking of the Trolley Witch, when Ron is describing the candy of Honey Dukes, it sounds so much better than the candy that the Trolley Witch sells. Mm-hmm. It's like. Whoever owns Honey Dukes should buy <laughs> buy out the trolley witch sell this delicious sounding candy and you know right some sandwiches maybe some water i have some water available <laughs> for <these> yep kids. <sighs> like this could be a whole like you know brand. do they have to buy bit.
1: their pumpkin juice
0: I assume so.
1: So there's just like not a free beverage available to them for like six hours. No. I'm more upset than I ever have been about this situation. <laughs> about this
0: nightmare train ride? Yes.
1: Oh my god. So, anywho, do you have <laughs> any more editorials?
0: I have one more editorial, okay. which is I want to collapse. I'm so angry about this. The carriages that all the upper that all the upperclassmen take smells like mold. Why is there mold in these fucking carriages? Your magic. Everyone's gonna get fucking sick if you have allergies or asthma. It smells like mold and straw, is what Harry says. What?
1: What? What? Yes. What? Where? Seriously? What?
0: Where is this? What are you okay. talking about? Harry gets on. He gets. He gets into. He gets on the carriage with the re- with his friends. I don't know what pages is because my ebook is just like sure. Like they see Hagrid and wave at her. And there's a oh, hundred this is stage when they're coaches. Getting off? Yeah, they get off the train and they're gonna get on the stagecoaches. And Harry's describing them being pulled by invisible horses. In the next paragraph, says that they smelled faintly of mold and straw.
1: Holy shit! Why? What
0: exactly? <laughs> Like, black mold kills people. Like, is no one clean? Have these never been cleaned in, like, hundreds of years? Are they just stored behind, like, in a shed outside? Like, also your magic. Magic the mold away. Make them waterproof. Like, they shouldn't smell. They should smell like fucking lavender and roses. They shouldn't smell like mold.
1: That is super true. That is so fucked up. I am so allergic to mold, you guys. It's terrible
0: i am mildly allergic to mold but i have a lot of upper respiratory i have asthma and then also a lot of allergies so i'm like i don't want to be around mold uh also that's not healthy for anyone (laughs) let alone if you're you have fucking allergies like what the shit
1: that is so upsetting i'm so upset
0: right why almost why
1: stated as if it's comforting The carriage smelled faintly of mold and straw. Harry felt better since the chocolate. That's not comforting. That's terrible.
0: Right. Even if it smelled like dusty or like, I don't know, whatever like old rooms smell like or like old furniture, like that's fine. But like mold isn't a comforting smell. That is a smell that means that they're in your lungs. (laughs) That's not
1: right. It's like you're about to be so
0: fucking itchy. It's very upsetting why Why these not cleaned. I'm sad now.
1: <laughs> why didn't you leave me to my reading too fast piece? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: All right. Let's do our advertisements and then we'll do education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Welcome to Advertisements, where we ask you for money and then make you laugh.
0: Today's ask for money comes from Jesse. Misconnection. Me. Hilarious, yet ruthless, queer podcast. (laughs) You. Listener of said podcast. You were flirting with the idea of joining Patreon. We offered you a chance to get to know us better and offered you many beautiful gifts. But you left before we could have a real connection. It's not too late. We'll be here at the same place every Tuesday, if you want to join us. <laughs> Just see, that was beautiful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Patreon.com slash Prophet.
0: <laughs>
1: Our next advertisement comes from a fellow queer podcast queers next door is a podcast hosted by sex coach lee and megan ashley we take the topics you care about sex feminism kink social justice and entertainment and look at them through a queer as fuck lens we also talk honestly about self-care mental health and our experiences as polyamorous queers trying to date in southern california listen rate review and subscribe to queers next door wherever podcasts are found and follow us at Queers Next Door on all the socials. Cheers, Cheers. Queers! Next up, ISO, a sweet young thing. Sorry, Jesse.
0: I'm really glad I didn't spit water <laughs> on my keyboard. You didn't spit take you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, me, tall, dark, and, well, tall and dark for sure. I enjoy looming, gliding unsettlingly on the beach, and candlelit dinners of young, vibrant souls. You, anyone really, so long as your soul is fresh and uncorrupted, I'd love to serve you up with a side of beef tartare and one of those cocktails with dry ice in it for effect. Don't call me, (laughs) I'll call you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh.
1: (laughs) It's a... I think the thing that took longest about writing that was figuring out what a creepy thing to put serve on the side of a child's soul was. I was like, "What's an eerie dish?" And I was like, "Raw beef." That sounds weird and gross, like a thing a Dementor would eat. Although I also would totally eat beef tartare,
0: So, you know, I've actually had beef tartare, and it was surprisingly good. It wasn't as it was in a very fancy restaurant, so I was like, "This probably won't give me food poisoning."
1: Yeah. Yeah, but you know, raw meat still definitely goes with children's souls. So
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about things that are loosely related to health and/or science.
0: All right. So, um, as your resident animal weirdo, uh, I have to ask, what the fuck is a Dementor? From the description. The limited description we get of them physically, I would have to assume some kind of cave-dwelling creature, Mm. since they are pale, and I mean, they sound like corpses, honestly, but so do a lot of weird cave creatures that are pale, and like, never see the light of the sun. Dementor
1: is the ghost of Christmas future, and also (laughs) the black... Riders slash Nazgul. Oh yeah, it's kind of a combination of those two things. Physically, it's the Ghost of Christmas Future, and emotionally, it's a Nazgul, which neither of those are animals. I I don't have an. I feel like I like everything that lives in a cave too much to compare it to a Dementor. (laughs) That's fair. The cave episode of Planet Earth is my favorite.
0: Oh, it's so good with the... Especially when they go in the one with the crystals and you're like, beam me into the crystal cave. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, beam me there because I don't want to get there my own self because claustrophobia. Like.
0: Oh, yeah. No. every Everything about splunking is like... I'd, I would just be concerned... I don't know if I told this story before. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, like... Little Caesars had a sort of like Chuck E. Cheese esque thing called C- a- Caesar Land. Okay. So like you know, there's like bouncy things and like slides and ball pits. And Isn't I that distinctly more
1: McDonald's esque re- than
0: Chuck E. Cheese esque. I guess you're right. More like a McDonald's playscape than a Chuck E. Cheese. Anyway, I remember that I went to a Cirque when I was very young, and for whatever reason, the like plastic tubes you crawl through some of them were built into the wall and they were like carpeted and I don't remember if I actually got stuck or just had nightmares of getting stuck Mm -hmm. in those tubes in the wall but I definitely for a really long time had nightmares about getting stuck in like a carpeted tube in the wall of a a, Caesar land Mm -hmm. so from that experience or nightmare I don't think I could ever go seriously caving no
1: I, when I watched the cave episode of Planet Earth, the one where they're like scuba diving in a cave and they're like, this is a very tight squeeze and if you puncture your aqua lung thingamajigger scuba tank, you will 100% die and you have to swim backwards to get out of here. Like, I have to like leave the room while they talk about that and I want to see... The part where they get to the room where the salt water and the fresh water sit on top of each other and it's fucking incredible and I'm so glad they went there but like the process of them getting there makes me feel like I'm dying and I'm not even there. I can't even go snorkeling like having a snorkel on my face makes me feel like I'm gonna die. I'm like this is not how breathing is supposed to feel. I can't do this. I have to take this off my face.
0: So yeah. (sighs) Yeah.
1: Well met, fellow claustrophobe. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: anyway, yeah, Dementors uh took the one took the nine rings of men, uh, doomed to die, and then glided their way into our reality. All right, they
1: glided their way into Dickens' reality, and learned about <laughs> eerily pointing. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I yeah. don't know, I've only seen, like, the one A Christmas Carol, well, I take that back, I've seen the Disney A Christmas Carol, and then I've seen, like, the, the one with, the, like, pretty famous one with people in it that I can't think of the names of, but it's, like...
0: Patrick Stewart?
1: British and whatever, but... Yeah. The the one where the ghost of Christmas future is literally just like a hooded thing with long ass fingers. And it's like the only sound it makes is like a creepy screechy noise that one. So they went and practiced some there and then they like slid into Harry Potter. I just, they're 100% magical and not animals. They're just nightmare beings.
0: Maybe, uh, the entirety of a Christmas Carol is just, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge encountering a Dementor. Yeah. And it's all just a Dementor-fueled, like, nightmare dream in which he realizes what a greedy, capitalist piece of shit he is and is like, fuck it.
1: You know what? That actually (laughs) makes perfect sense. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, someone write us a crossover fanfic, please.
0: You know, I actually love the story of a christmas carol i can't promise that i'll write that fan fiction but maybe we can add it to our uh quibler list
1: that is another movie that i could probably like quote from beginning to end because
0: i like don't like christmas movies because christmas is not a holiday that i like but i love a christmas carol yeah it's good it has a good moral i mean any movie where a rich dude realizes the air of his rays and is like giving all my money away you know what's
1: a really good version of a christmas carol is the doctor who version yes so good
0: it is very good uh oh, for how good that one is uh all right <laughs>
1: education
0: yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> this has been like one of the least focused episodes we've had in a really long time
0: it's been kind of fun it's though, been really actually.
1: good yeah
0: uh, i I'm, ha- I'm having a great time.
1: Welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school.
0: That so well, many things about this goddamn school Oh good'
1: because I used up one of them in the front page and I only have one left so <laughs> you go first
0: uh I have like two of them, I guess uh which I talked a little bit about earlier, but uh just fucking get a pTA to get some adults in this goddamn train. Yeah. Malfoy didn't bully fucking anyone. And you know why? Because there was an adult there. Mm-hmm. Literal results happen.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Alright. But I do have one one more thing, so okay. I guess you should...
1: Oh, my, I think our might be the same. It's about Hagrid's job?
0: Uh, I don't think they're gonna be the same, but let's, let's talk about Hagrid.
1: I don't... Really have anything solid? It just says Hagrid in all caps. I'm really happy that she got this job. It's her reaction is very sweet. This is not about this goddamn school necessarily. It's just about the fact that like something happened in education, and I really like it. And I wanted to put things other than the front page because my front page was so long.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so no, I mean while hagrid sometimes isn't a very great caretaker of children despite the fact that her heart's in the right place she's probably the most qualified to do this to teach care of magical creatures mostly qualified. i mean
1: i'm not saying that she's not qualified i'm just saying that like i feel like grubbly plank comes in and is like so much more qualified than
0: hagrid Which, this actually leads me to my actual education point, where Hagrid's heart and her desire to be an educator is in the right place. But do you know what would be a much better job for her? Which would be a summer camp counselor at a camp for witches who love magical creatures. Yeah. So good. Like, an
1: even like an extracurricular yeah totally because she she's not necessarily like that great at lesson planning or like all of the kinds of magical creatures she has a strong bias that would be so much better
0: right because i mean even harry and hermione and ron who love hagrid dearly just don't care slash are freaked out by the dangerous creatures that she loves But, like, there's got to be, like, eight kids at Hogwarts who are, like, really enthusiastic about hippogriffs and dragons and things that could murder you. Mm -hmm. And, like, those kids are having time in their lives. Everyone else is like, oh, God. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Please teach us about bow (laughs) truckles.
0: Oh, look at that. Nifflers are adorable and they get us gold and they're not going to have a, they don't have poisonous stingers right which they look kind of like platypus so they probably should have poisonous stingers but that's true but yeah i wish that there is a like witching summer camp for hager to teach at
1: yeah that'd be super incredible
0: also the outfit of like you know like the plaid shorts and the like t-shirt and like the bandana around her neck is like such a good hager aesthetic i feel
1: like it really is Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet.
0: You should uh you should tell your friends about our podcast. The more people who listen to us, the better we feel, the more we are validated,
1: and and the more people you dear listener have to nerd out about our podcast with.
0: Exactly. As you can tell the best part about Harry Potter is talking about it with other people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let them know about this awesome podcast you listen to all the time. You should also rate give us 5 stars on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else you listen to this podcast app. Uh reread every review as we get them and text each other about how great they are because it really does warm our hearts. Uh how much you guys love this podcast. So you should tell us because we can't see your faces when you listen to the podcast. <laughs> So we don't we don't know how much you love it unless you review us. Um, uh, you can also buy our merch. We have very adorable merch. You know we're coming into the holiday season. Buy someone a Gailey Prophet T-shirt. Your Harry Potter friends that you're listening to the podcast with would I'm sure appreciate a sticker or a mug or a T-shirt.
1: Yes, indeed. You can find me between episodes on my website, LarkMalakai.com, which is L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I.com or on Instagram at Lark Malachi, or at Radical Healer.
0: Yeah, you can also uh, book Lark for a tarot reading for the upcoming holiday season. A- ask, ask for that on your uh, holiday gift list. Thanks, Jesse. In between episodes, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Jesse underscore detroit or on instagram at live from detroit
1: our show art is by theo julian forrester who also creates beautiful comics every week for the episodes which you can find on our website or on our social media our spoiler warning was recorded by sarah sarwar our theme music and the music for our spoiler warning are both by kevin mcleod Production mixing and editing of this podcast is done by me. And I think that's all the things. And so until next time.
0: Imperceptible. Qualified. Aftercare. Emerald.